Welcome back to another episode of Andrew Says. This week we have Melissa Tate for the second time. Always fun to have guests back. Melissa, how are you doing? Where are you? What are you up to these days? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. I'm in. Uh, so what's that? Of course. Of course. We, ha- yeah. we love to have you yeah. here. I'm happy to be here. Thank you. And you're still in Missouri, is it? No, I'm actually in sunny Florida now. Oh, you're so <laughs> lucky. I'm so jealous. Yes. <laughs> Let's start off with Florida then. I wanted to get your thoughts on this because the Florida bill, which is, correct me if I'm wrong on any of this, I've read a decent amount about it. It's to stop uh, sex education, particularly about you know transgenderism and gender ideology and gender fluidity and all that wonderful stuff for kindergarten to grade three. So that, I think, is five-year-old to eight-year-old, that sort of range. But the mm-hmm. media is presenting it. They, they have this phrase that don't say gay bill. Have you seen a lot of that coverage? Yes, I have. And I actually think that the bill doesn't go far enough because it really only stops at the at the third grade, which I think it should actually go all the way up to high school, because this is something that I don't feel that schools should be teaching in schools. This, this is something that a parent should be speaking to their children about. It is not something that is supposed to be taught and indoctrinated into a child's life. So I think it's absolutely ridiculous. But yes, obviously the left will characterize this as don't don't say gay because they know how to frame things. And that's the that's that's what we on the right need to learn is how to frame things. And that's how the left operates. When they have an issue that they're tackling, they create a frame around it. And they have framed this issue as don't say gay. So the minute people hear hear about it, they obviously think that this is something that is wrong. And then when you look further into it, you find out that this is something that protects children from five to eight years old from being indoctrinated into sexual orientation and transgenderism, all things that have nothing to do with children. You know what a man and a woman or a man and a man or a woman and a woman do in their bedrooms has nothing to do with children. And the whole idea that you want to start introducing these ideas of of, uh, male and female are not not, uh, solid biological facts to children you're, so you're now imposing an ideology because this is something that, um, you know, children wouldn't even think about unless you actually introduce it to them. So we all know that this is an indoctrination agenda by the left. They're starting to introduce this at a very, very young age because I believe that they don't want, um, they, they want to start at a young age so that people are, well, by the time they grow up, they're not even going to know the look at the world the way we've looked at it in all these years. I mean, we know that a man and a woman is a biological fact. But when these kids grow up, they're not even going to have that concept. That's going to be a foreign concept to these children. And it's it's devastating to see what's happening. And the fact that the media and the left is out there screaming about this is absolutely ridiculous. And it shows truly who these people are. And I don't think they should be anywhere near children. I was talking about this very issue with my friends the other day, and you're saying about what they said, which was probably not up till high school age, a couple of them said grade seven or eight, um, that's splitting hairs, I think. But I'm not sure, thinking back, and I'm thinking back to when I was in high school, and I think we had sex ed in grades seven and eight, and then high school. I'm not sure of what I actually learned in any of those classes, excuse me. So I'm not sure if it, I haven't decided one way or the other, but I'm not sure if it's necessary at all. Because once a child's in high school, 
How much of it do they really not know? Maybe it's worth a week of classes, two weeks of classes, practicing safe sex. I don't know. A lot of it makes me kind of uncomfortable, but I don't know how much a public school or a Catholic school or anything like that needs to teach children about sex. It kind of weirds me out to to think about the fact of some other adult teaching my child about sex. Yes. How do you feel about that? Have you have you thought about whether it's needed at all? I don't think it's needed at all because we didn't learn about like when I was growing up in Zimbabwe, we that was something that a discussion you had with your parents. You know, I don't think this is something that should be outsourced to the government to talk about sex. You know, every um, child is should be able to have this discussion with their parents instead of having it at school. Because when you're looking at it, you know, uh, why is the government telling your children about what they should be thinking about sex? In my opinion, when I look at my children, I want to be the first person to tell them about anything. Because the first person that tells them about any subject is going to have more power and more influence on that child. So really what they're doing is they're trying to preempt that phase of when a, a parent gets to a point uh, of that discussion with their children. Because when I think of my children, they're still very young. You know, they're 10 and under. I haven't even had that conversation with them because that stuff is not even on their radar. But if they're starting to have these conversations at schools, that means that these people are have now undercut me as a parent. Because I know when my children are ready to have that conversation based on their maturity level, based on their age. So it is something that a parent should be able to have that discussion with. A school is not a place to, you know, teach math, teach English, teach um, science, all those things. We don't need to be having teachers indoctrinating children about their sexual views, about their, their views on sexuality. You know, it, it's absolutely ridiculous. And and it's really sad to see that this is what has come of the public school system. I don't know if it's the same there in Canada, but it is it is scary to watch as a parent. I'm not sure when ours starts. I think they do have something starting in kindergarten, which, of course, I would disagree with. I wanted to ask you if you saw there's all these boycotts now that people want to have on Florida. The NCAA and ESPN. ESPN had like a walkout and a moment of silence during one of their women's college basketball games. And I was watching this and it was like the ladies that were the announcers, they clearly hadn't read the bill. They just said we're standing with our, our fellow LGBT people at Disney and they're reading off something. Courtney Lyle, Carolyn Peck. Now normally at this time we would take a look back at the first half, but there are things bigger than basketball that need to be addressed at this time. Our friends, our family, our co-workers, the players and coaches in our community are hurting right now. And at three o'clock, about eight minutes ago, our LGBTQIA plus teammates at Disney asked for our solidarity and support, including our company's support in opposition to the parental rights in education bill in the state of Florida and similar legislature across the United States. And a threat to any human rights is a threat to all human rights. And at this time, Courtney and I we're going to take a pause from our broadcast to show our love and support for our friends, our families, and our colleagues. I wonder, how many people do you think actually have gone and read this? They, Like you said, they hear Don't Say Gay, and they just immediately think that it's a bad thing because of how it's been framed. It reminded me of LeBron James promoting um, boycotts in Atlanta, 
and the MLB All-Star Game, I think, was taken out of Atlanta when they were talking about voter suppression, when it was actually voter ID and changing the times that polls were open. So they label something as sounding terrible, which they always do. And I wonder, is there a responsibility for these adult women? I would assume they were at least in their 40s, these women, but they don't really have anything to— anything uh about the actual bill on their mind they just they just see this and they're pushing it forward is there a responsibility for these people to actually you know inform themselves on these things and it sounds crazy to even suggest that you wouldn't be able to but how much of a responsibility do you think lies on these people they're calling for boycotts they're staging walkouts and they seemingly don't even know what's in it at all they called it an attack on parental rights which i thought was the opposite of what the actual bill was are you do you see a lot of that how do you feel about that yeah, no, absolutely. They have a responsibility to learn what is in the bill. But, you know, the left is has are masters of deception. So the way it's, it is being framed in the media is, and they know that people are not going to take the time to go study and actually see what it is, it is about. People, most people have outsourced their way of seeing the world through, you know, maybe an hour worth of news. And I've seen this with my grant, with my, uh, father-in-law who was living with us for a little bit and he just loves watching the six o'clock news he's got no concept of what's going on in the world except for what he watches on that 60 minutes worth of news that he turns on and then he turns off so he's basically outsourced his way of thinking and seeing the world and what's going on in the world just based on that one hour of mainstream media news. And then he's off to, you know, watching whatever sports and whatever. He doesn't really care about politics the way you and I do. So he's not going to go out there and start trying to research what the don't say gay bill is and what it's really saying, you know, the don't say gay bill. So this is your average American and they're just getting this information and the way it's portrayed. And I actually had to, <laughs> I actually had to sit through and watch the six o'clock news with him because I would be cooking dinner and I had to listen to it. What network was and that on? It was so painful. It was so painful because the lies, the misrepresentation, the half truths, it's unbelievable the level of indoctrination that is taking place or propaganda that is being put to the American people. And when they actually uh, spoke about this issue, they had a teenage boy who was about 17 years old telling his story. This is a teenage or, or transgender person, mm. a trans woman who is a biological male talking about this bill and how horrible it is and how he's not going to be able to express himself. So right there, you see that it is a deception because instead of putting a five-year-old, they put a 17-year-old. So they're misrepresenting what this bill is about. So the, I mean, even I didn't know you know, and I'm somebody who follows politics. When I first started hearing the don't say gay bill, and I was just thinking, and I actually thought that's what it was called. And I was thinking, well, why are Republicans doing this? This is like shooting yourselves in the foot. And then when I started actually reading up on it and I found out what it's about, I was like, wow, this is totally what it is not being presented out there to be. But I'm just unique in that, you know, I'm a political junkie and, and I'm sure many of your audience follow politics and they're into it. But the average person is not going out there to actually see what this is about. So like you're saying, the women that you're talking about, they're just on this bandwagon. They've just been hearing it on every platform. And the, and because the left controls so much, so many spheres of influence, they're able to put it out everywhere, whether it's, it is in media, in entertainment, in education, 
everywhere. It is everywhere within a flash. And people don't even take the time to go out there and actually look what it is about. They just take in the information that is being spread through all these spheres of influence on social media, on media, entertainment, education, everything. And they just run with it. And then by the time the truth tries to catch up, you know, it's it's already gone so far, like you're saying. So it, it's a tragedy, but we just have to continue to speak the truth and um, continue to put the truth out there. And I've seen a lot of people now, now you're starting to see people are starting to push back and say, no, this is about third, uh, kindergarten through third, third grade, even though I feel like it doesn't go far enough. Well, with this Leah Thomas stuff and the swimming there, by the way, the score of that NCAA basketball game was 44 to four. So maybe they needed to just, uh, <laughs> they needed to spice it, spice it up with some boycotts. But Leah Thomas, <laughs> Losing the NCAA finals, fifth place and last place. And I'd like to point out the only person that he lost to before that was another transgender person, which was female to male. Uh, let me know how that worked out. One of the teammates said that um, they they staged that, they rigged that. But now he loses two, two, uh, two races in the finals that people thought he was going to win. And people are really up in arms in the last tournament where he uh, where he won by like five seconds. And to your point where you think people are starting to really notice now, this I think was the was the biggest reaction I've I've seen from people on something regarding this because it, it's young girls. They've been swimming their whole lives, you know, waking up at 5 a.m. probably because swimmers are crazy like that. And there's this one girl named Rika Georgie. I have that written down. She says it's unfair She's she came in 17th in the uh, the regional tournament or whatever it was before the finals. And therefore, she didn't make it to the national finals because the top 16 are the ones that go. And now you're seeing people actually stand up and speak out against this thing. So it seems like there's going to be maybe some pushback. Maybe this is where it all starts to stop, because once one girl speaks out, I think more people are going to speak out and. I wanted to transition that into talking about the book you were talking about the last time you were on here. You were telling me you have an audio book coming. Do you want to tell people about that? And it was, um, I forget the title. You tell me. Uh, Choice Privilege. Choice, Choice Privilege. Privilege, yeah. You want to tell people about how that's being released now? Sorry, what's that? You want to tell people how that's being released now? You said it was on an audio book now? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so Choice Privilege is the book that I wrote, which basically pushes back on the idea of critical race theory and white privilege and actually exposes it for what it is, which is cultural Marxism. And as somebody who grew up in Zimbabwe, came to the United States as a 19-year-old with nothing but a suitcase, $300 in my pocket, paid my way through college, hard work, determination, started a business, became successful, I know that America is a great place for anybody, no matter what color you are. But I expose the fact that, you know, this whole idea of critical race theory and um, white privilege and is actually a ploy to racially divide and conquer America. And it is actually something that happened in my own country in Zimbabwe, because we also have a white population. And overnight, we found uh, that this idea that the white people are the reason for all our problems was put out there. As, um, as, as the narrative, and it actually resulted in a devastating economic collapse after they started to redistribute wealth from the white people to, to the black indigenous people. 
So this is something that is near and dear to my heart. And um, I see it happening here in the United States and it's been really frightening and I'm starting to see the fruits of it. So I actually uh, wrote, a, wrote the book, uh, Choice Privilege. It's been very successful. It was a bestseller on Amazon. And uh, now I've released it in an audio book because um, a lot of my, well, a lot of people are coming up to me and saying, you know, I lo- I, I'm not really a big reader. You know, I have a bu- busy lifestyle. Can you do an audio book? So I was like, yeah. okay. They want to listen to it in their that. car, Melissa. We all yes. want to listen to it in our cars on their way to work. Exactly. Well, I didn't even know that, you know, audiobooks were now this big thing. So mm-hmm. apparently like, it's a huge, huge market. Like it's overtaking just regular books. I guess, you know, it's a big shift in the way people look at reading. People just want to, you know, play it and on the go and just get all the information. And I think it's a, it's an efficient way of getting information. Well, I think so, yeah. it's also because you get to hear the person's voice and they read it in their own voice, unless you're hiring, I don't know joe biden to read it but if it's your own if it's your own book then people i think would like to hear it in the author's actual voice now i want i'm wondering have you released any videos about zimbabwe and about the redistribution of wealth i think that'd be very interesting and go over very well if you just did a 10 minute video explaining all that that's not something people talk about a lot here i'm people are more familiar with south africa i think and maybe a little bit about china and obviously, it's what people tout as being a good idea here in North America. And it obviously isn't, as there are historical examples. It's actually happening. It's actually happening through the ESG. I don't know if you've heard of the ESG no. bank. It's like it's a sort of like a credit score, but I actually call it a social credit score. And a lot of these big banks have, have uh, instituted it into their way of whether you can get a loan or not. And it, um, I'm not really sure exactly what the letters stand for, but I know the S stands for social. So basically social justice. So if you're a, if you're a, a business that doesn't have the proper social justice mm. ideology, you may not even qualify for a loan. So to me, that's, that's already um, something that um, is already introducing that idea. And I actually saw it play out because I had some some friends that were actually trying to apply for a marijuana license um, in the state of Missouri. And they were trying to get me to sign on to it, even though I'm not really into that stuff. But they were saying that, hey, if we have a minority and a black woman on our application, that's gonna give us a better uh, chance of getting this. So I'm like, you know, that that that's how it starts. That's the redistribution of wealth. It's like, you know, the affirmative action and, and not having an equal footing. So, you know, it's already starting to happen. And this is something that played out majorly in Zimbabwe, where, you know, they put in a law saying that if you have a business and you're a white person, you have to have a, a black person has to own a large percentage of that company, even though they didn't build it or do anything or whatever. So we saw how that played out. I mean, a lot of those investments just flowed out of the country. You know, a lot of foreign investment, a lot of jobs were lost. It completely destroyed the economy. So it's something that doesn't help anybody because it never helped the indigenous Black people in Zimbabwe who are now, you know, for the most part, suffering, hungry, and so forth. So it's something that we need to push back against because it's something that, you know, cloaks itself in in virtue and trying to help the downtrodden and so forth. But really what it does is it destroys everybody's life, whether you're black, white, rich, poor, middle-class, it just destroys everybody. And that's what we saw happen in Zimbabwe. 
I know that you know that we had set you up to um, debate somebody on my show, and the other person—I'm not going to name them—but they didn't—they <laughs> didn't, they didn't want to debate a black woman because they were also a black woman. How did that make? Was that weird for you? That was weird—a little bit weird for me. Yeah, that is weird. But I think it's just—it's just, it's just uh, you know, I think with the left. You know, they don't want somebody who looks like me, who is speaking, who speaks the way I do, because because it completely shatters their narrative. And if you have somebody like me who is as black as they come <laughs> That's from Africa, profile. here with nothing and, you know, uh, is able to make something of themselves, the whole idea that your skin color is an impediment and something that's going to stop you from succeeding is something they're not going to be able to win an argument with. So I think it's just a way to get out of, um, you know, being able to, I mean, being able to debate somebody who's, who can actually expose the fragility of your argument. Are you still suspended from Twitter? I know there was a fake account in your name that was some bigger profiles were sharing it too. So you're still suspended from there? I am still suspended, and yeah, I think somebody is uh, impersonating me on on Twitter. I'm, I'm going to I'm, check I on that. Yeah, I don't know. I think it was deleted, but maybe it's still back up on there. But yeah, I was suspended uh, what? after many. Sorry, what's that? What did you get suspended for? Sorry, I cut you off. Um, it was it was targeting because I shared a video that is still on Twitter and still being shared, and it's a video of Joe Rogan talking to Dr. Peter McCullough uh, um, about the COVID situation. I don't even remember what the content of the video was, and and it was shortly after I shared that video and tweeted it that I received notice that I was permanently suspended because I've been suspended before, but it was usually for like a period of time. So, you know, I mean, Twitter has been after me for a long time since I actually signed up for Twitter in 2015. I had 25,000 followers and they completely shut down my account, couldn't log in, wasn't able to get it back. Was it, it started creating a new account, <laughs> created a new account, started from zero, from scratch, up until, you know, I had 500,000 followers when they deleted, when they suspended me permanently. So, you know, it's it, it's just the operation uh, the way the left operates, if they can't um, argue against what you're saying, they'll just silence you. And we've seen this throughout history. So what have you gone to now? Is it just Instagram? Did you jump over to Getter or Gab? Which one did you go to predominantly? Yeah, I'm, I'm on um, Getter and I'm also on Truth Social, mm. President's Truth Social. I know that one, um, not everybody can get on right away. I think they, they have a huge waiting list, but it, it's pretty good. I like that one. And I like Getter as well. So I'm on both those platforms at Real Melissa Tate. You wanted to talk about the economy, and so did I, because we're, we're seeing the gas prices here as well. And it was really weird because they went up by 60 cents or 50 cents for a week or two weeks. And now they're down by 30 cents. They blamed Russia, even though we don't have oil from Russia and Canada. And then so the, the price kind of just evened out at going up by 20 cents or something how long can biden blame outside sources for the inflation and for the economy i see even msnbc and cnn are, are questioning a little bit because you know they don't have any other excuse uh the u.s's yeah. consumption of russian oil 
is is really a fraction. It, it's three percent. It's not nothing, but it's still not enough to say we need to throw these gas prices through the roof. Is there something else at play that they don't want to say, or is their economy just slowly getting worse and worse? What's the real story here? Do you think? Well, the real story is uh, what I call artificial scarcity is what mm -hmm. they're creating energy. And this is something that they have done in Africa for, you know, decades. And that's the reason why Africa being the richest continent, as far as natural resources and energy and everything is still the poorest country. And it's the reason is because of one of the major reasons is the fact that there is an artificial scarcity of energy. And when you just, I mean, it's a simple formula. Cheap energy equals prosperity. Expensive energy equals poverty. That's a frame that Americans should, or everybody in Canada, North America, West, in the West, in the world, should just understand that frame. Cheap energy equals prosperity. So what you're seeing happening here in the United States is there is a war on energy. And is it is all being done in the name of saving the planet from climate change. But, but by the very people that fly around in private jets, the very people like Joe Biden who approved the Nord Stream pipeline from that goes from Russia to Germany, that was fine with him. That didn't hurt the climate apparently. <laughs> but at the same time, he's shutting down pipelines here in the mm -hmm. United States, not just the Keystone pipeline, but plenty of pipelines. And really what this war in energy um, represents for me is the great reset, which is what you know these elites have been talking about, you know, they want to recreate society, they want to re-engineer the way society works. And in my opinion, they're trying to go back to more of a neo-feudalism uh, uh, society, where you have a small rich elite that controls all the energy and resources and the wealth, and then everybody else is pretty much poor and subservient to this elite class. And um, I know a lot of people may think, well, that's a conspiracy theory, but this is something that they're saying out in the open. And the idea that conspiracies don't exist is something that is ridiculous because conspiracies have always existed. You know, if you say that conspiracies don't exist, that's like a deer saying that wolves don't exist. There's always been predators. There's always been um, evil people. There's always been a small group of people that want power and wealth and control that has always existed. But just because we've lived in Western civilization for a long time and, and had a period of prosperity and peace and democracy and freedom, the concept of conspiracy maybe may be something that people think, oh, well, maybe that doesn't exist. No, it absolutely exists. So we have to look at it in that frame. And the only way we're gonna be able to overcome this is if people start being honest with what we're truly up against because this is something that is not being done because of ignorance or these people are stupid. It is something that is being done deliberately. And they've made it very plain and very, uh, if you're just willing to look at the information and listen to what they're saying, they know that you know half the most of the population, they're too busy watching Netflix. They're really concerned about so many other things. They're distracted even like with the war in Ukraine and all these things that they don't really pay attention to what's really going on and what they are saying in their own words about the society they're trying to create for us. Yeah, and I think when you start blaming everything on Russia, 
And of course, there's a hypocrisy with the pipelines there. But then you have to start looking at China and Saudi Arabia, who are very big trading partners, or even places like Egypt or the United Arab Emirates. All these places have... You, you can even go back to Syria and all these other places that we've dealt with and intervened with as well. Um, Iraq, Iran, Afghanistan, Joe Biden or o Obama made the, the terrible deal with Iran, for example. So all these people and all these countries are somehow better than Russia, who doesn't really do anything to us other than, you know, sell us oil. It, it's very strange. I think if anyone was to look into that sort of thing, they'd agree that if we're going to say Russia's evil, and they're not, they're like, Russia's always tried to invade people. I'm not saying they're good. But if Russia's evil, then what is Saudi Arabia and what is China? But yeah. China has its hands in so many things, they can't just pull out and say, well, we need to boycott China because they have, their tentacles, we'll call them, like an octopus, in, <laughs> in as we've yeah. seen pharmaceuticals in over the last couple of years, they control most of the generic drugs the masks, and then, of course, you can go to a lot of other sectors, and you're not about to find a bunch of congressmen and congresswomen saying, oh, we need to cut ourselves off from China. Now, right. I want to I get your take, and we only have a couple minutes left here, um, on the whole Ukraine situation. Let's assume, like everybody should assume, that Putin wants to expand his territories back into the USSR, which he's shown with Georgia and Crimea. Let's assume everybody knows Putin, Putin man bad, let's say. What is your take on Ukraine? Why is the U.S. government so supportive of them? Why do we want to keep this war going? Zelensky is an actor. They have neo-Nazi battalions in them. What's your take overall? Should people really throw themselves into this? Should they, you know, not take a side? Should they pick a side? How do you feel about that in maybe two minutes? Well, what I've been saying is that there are no good good guys on this side. NATO is not good. Neither is 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 Putin. So people are. This is being presented from the media's standpoint as a black and white issue. Like Putin is bad and NATO is good. Absolutely not. Really, what you have to do is study the history of what has been going on in Ukraine, and you'll find that our CIA uh, actually went into Ukraine and overthrew the government that was over there in a coup, and installed a government that would be more towards NATO and the EU, because in the 90s, when the Soviet Union fell, NATO actually promised Russia that they wouldn't expand east into any of the countries east of Germany. But since they made that promise, they've gone east into 13 countries. And Russia has really showed restraint, in my opinion, but, had, but said that Ukraine was their red line. So knowing this, and they've known this, and there's video of Joe Biden talking about this red line that Russia has drawn with Ukraine, because they have expanded so far east that now they're right up on the Russian border in Ukraine. So really what we're seeing, the conflict happen in, in, um, in Ukraine right now, I'm not saying this justifies Putin invading them, but this is something that they knew was coming. So Ukraine was supposed to remain neutral and instead of letting it remain neutral, you know, people like uh, uh, in, in NATO and, and the United States were in there trying to get Ukraine to now start joining the EU and NATO. And that obviously inflamed tensions with Russia. And Russia has said for many years that Ukraine is our red line. Ukraine is our red line. So why are we meddling in their issues and trying to get uh, Ukraine to join NATO? You know, it, we, it, we've got absolutely no national interests 
for Ukraine to be in NATO. It is something that I feel like it is something that is being manufactured. It is something that Joe Biden actually needed with the upcoming 2022 elections, something that is perfect for him, something that can distract people from the disaster that he's causing here in the United States as far as economically, with the border, with just about everything. So now everybody's distracted. The 24 hours a day, seven days a week, we're talking about Ukraine. And my heart aches for the people of Ukraine because they're just the political football that is being played by both sides. And they're the ones who suffer. It's their children and their uh, families because they were promised that they were going to be put into NATO and NATO is not even helping them. So they're just being used as a pawn in a greater um, uh, what do you call this um, scheme? Proxy war. Proxy, proxy war too. Yeah. Russia and NATO. Well, thank you, Melissa. I tend to agree. I think it has a lot to do with the bombing of those eastern regions. And there's so much stuff coming out from Ukraine of them, you know, tying people to poles. And then they have their Nazi battalions who are fighting Chechen Muslims. It's so confusing. It's so hard to figure out what's real and what's not. I think you're very smart. I'm thankful that you came on. I'd love to see more videos from you and maybe they exist, about you talking about the socialism in Africa and the energy, uh, the fake energy crisis that you're talking about. I think that's very interesting. So I want to thank you for coming on, and maybe we'll find somebody for you to debate in the future. Maybe we can get that to happen. Okay, that'll be great. That'll be great. It might just well, end up being you. yourself. So just have a mirror image of you, and you debate yourself back and forth. <laughs> Wear two different dresses and then record that at different times. I don't know. But thank you yeah, for coming on. Yeah, I should on. try that. I should try that since no one wants to debate me. We'll see. <laughs> okay, go find uh, her audio book. Is, going, is it out now? It's on Audible. Okay. So it's on Amazon on Audible. It's also available in a hardcover and mm -hmm. uh, paperback on my website at realmelissatate.com. So if you'd like to support me, because I was deplatformed, I was receiving, uh, I was getting a lot of... Um, I was reaching a lot of people with my message and my book on Twitter and being the platform that kind of set me back, but it's not slowing me down. So if you'd like to support what I'm doing, please grab a, a couple of copies of the book or the Audible book, and that'll be great. All right. Thanks a lot, Melissa. Have a great day. All right. Thank you so much for having me.